nervous about reporting those numbers because people will get nervous when they hear those numbers. And I just don't know what the threshold is if a bank says, well, okay, we lost 10% of our depositors because they were nervous, as opposed to what SUB had to say, which was, whoa, we're losing a ton. And I, I don't know what that threshold is where people will eventually sit back and say, okay, they went through a tough time, but they held on to enough of their depositors that we are confident they will continue to go forward. But that's kind of a question mark hanging over the industry right now. Yeah, I mean, 1933, we didn't have television. Now, if you turn on the evening news and they show footage of people lined up outside of banks all over the country, you're heading down to your local branch. You know, I mean, it could take off really, really fast. And the only way that we got through that one was the federal government said, bank holiday, we're shutting them all down and we're starting over. And I don't know if you could even do that in a modern America. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, May 19th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in Silicon Valley. My name is Mike Malone. Hey, at least I got the date right. You'll notice it's Scott Checks as I'm saying the date because I always get it wrong. Uh, you know me, I'm Mike Malone. I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove. And our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley business chair. Okay, Scott, so we have the modern Silicon Valley encapsulated in one store. Ready? Ready. San Jose has just been dropped out of the top 10 cities in the nation, having lost 40,000 citizens during the pandemic. Um. With with Google Maps, Google Campus apparently on hold, what are the implications for the city? Because I want to add, there's mixed signals because Google just announced it's moving into a different San Jose tech campus that may employ thousands of people. Did you see that one? Yeah, that's something they owned. And I think what they were talking about, you know, sort of waiting on is what they're planning to build. But yeah, there's still yep. movement in and out. And the out part for, you know, the first time in a little while went bigger than the in part. And that's what San Jose and to an extent San Francisco is dealing with. And both cities, uh, I've had analysts tell me, are and, and were so dependent on tech that when we'd see people that don't need to be in their offices in a specific building, it hurts these cities more than it hurts any other cities in the entire country. And that's what we're seeing. Now, have, have either Google or the city of San Jose announced officially that the big campus is on hold, or are they talking about it? No, I mean, both sides are insisting that the long-term plan is still to build. Um, and the language is just, it feels kind of political, where Google is saying they're reassessing, and they continue to reassess. Um, but for now, at least the cranes and the digging apparatus are not there. Um, but look, this is a long-term plan and they both sides insist in the long-term there will be a campus. Okay, I think City of San Jose might want to put into its near budget some money for SOC. You know, maybe San Jose can have its own Central Park. Yeah, that's, that's you brought that up before. I, I don't know what the plan is in the interim while this reassessment is happening. But um, for now, it's just sort of a standstill. 
Okay, well, let's go on with this story because Google, by announcing it's all the way in in AI, his stock jumped. And uh, the two founders, Larry Page and Sergey, Sergey Brin, made $17 billion on stock this week. And the story's not even over yet because where will Larry Page collect that money? He's worth, they're, they're both worth now more than $100 billion each. But no one can find Page because the uh, Virgin Islands authorities want to talk to him about visits to Epstein Island. And he apparently is not locatable to be subpoenaed. So, I mean, there it is. There's, the, there's modern Silicon Valley. We have mega wealthy going to Epstein's Island. We have cities emptying out. We have corporations on again, off again with major projects. And then finally, we have, we're back to Silicon Valley Bank. Because last, well, was last week, CEO Gary Becker, we both know him, uh, appeared in front of the uh, Senate committee. It was on Tuesday to give his side of the story of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And, you know, it doesn't quite fit with this story that we were getting told, you know, uh, what the rumor was. Uh, he basically said, we grew, we grew, uh, well, the Fed's vice chair for supervision said Silicon Valley Bank grew too fast and regulators were hampered from doing anything by the 2018 uh, law that eased regulation on mid-sized banks. And we've heard all that. But now we're hearing what Becker said was deposits ballooned during the pandemic because of the combination of super low interest rates and the government's uh, unprecedented spending on stimulus money. So, meanwhile, liquidity and capital rules encourage Silicon Valley banks to invest in safe government-backed uh, securities, all while the federal Fed's message was that interest rates would stay low. So they're, they're flush with money. They don't, they got to figure out what to do with it. They put it in gov government bank security because that's the safe harbor always, because the Fed's saying, don't worry, interest rates are going to stay low. Well, we know what happened. Interest rates went through the roof. And uh, suddenly, you know, SVB and hundreds of other banks apparently are sitting on these interest government securities, and they all got hammered, especially Silicon Valley Bank because of the social networking's uh, ability to mobilize thousands of people to do stuff. Everybody started pulling their money out of the bank at the same time. Now, the other claim that was made was SVB didn't do sufficient risk management. Uh, Becker's argument was uh, they were hiring risk management people, and they had a 1,000 of them working on the situation at the time. So who do we believe? Well, I mean, the money doesn't lie, and I would argue that those were not safe harbors always. It was proven that if interest rates go up, those bond investments are anything but safe harbor, and that's where the money was lost. And when money gets lost, depositors get nervous. When deposits flow out of banks, investors get nervous. And then when investors sell stock, depositors pull even more money out. And that's what we saw with each of the banks that failed this round. And it was very, I don't want to say predictable because they were all kind of surprising, but the way that it went even Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of uh, timeline was very, very similar. 
we always think of banks as being slow moving, and then they just go into warp speed when this kind of thing happens. Let me quote the Wall Street Journal. Bank executives weren't blameless, but we're also responding to the Fed's easy money and misplaced regulatory priorities. Mr. Becker lost his job. Has even a single regulator at the San Francisco Fed lost hers? Look, I don't quite understand why we don't expect people in banking, I mean literally finance, not to understand what happens when interest rates goes up. Interest yeah, that rates. Was the first thing that was taught in business school, you know, interest rates up, bond rates down. Right. This is not the first. Right. It's not the first time in American history that interest rates have gone up. It's not the first time in a generation interest rates have gone up. Again, right, I don't want to put all the blame in one place, but these people literally earn their living, very good living sometimes, in finance. And so this shouldn't have been a big surprise given that the interest rates didn't rise like, I don't know, like, you know, inflation, there was hyperinflation in Germany before World War II. We had plenty of warning that interest rates were going up. They did go up gradually. And then all of a sudden, these bankers are acting surprised. It really was economics 101 that this would happen. And so I think the surprise was that these banks, like SVB, stayed with these investments until they had to report the quarterly earnings that were so disastrous. That set that whole chain in motion of investors losing confidence and then depositors losing confidence. I'm still hearing from some financial people out there that this could be hundreds of banks that are teetering right now. Well, right. We we need to get it takes off real fast over a weekend. Right. We need to hear from these banks with their earning reports and how much they lost over the last three and six months when it comes to deposits. And I know those banks have got to be nervous about reporting those numbers because people will get nervous when they hear those numbers. And I just don't know what the threshold is if a bank says, well, okay, we lost 10% of our depositors because they were nervous as opposed to what SVB had to say, which was, whoa, we're losing a ton. And I, I don't know what that threshold is where people will eventually sit back and say, okay, they went through a tough time, but they held on to enough of their depositors that we are confident they will continue to go forward. But that's kind of a question mark hanging over the industry right now. I mean, 1933, we didn't have television. Now, if you turn on the evening news and they show footage of people lined up outside of banks all over the country, you're heading down to your local branch, you know? I mean, it could take off really, really fast. And the only way that we got through that one was the federal government said, bank holiday, we're shutting them all down and we're starting over. And I don't know if you could even do that in a modern America. I mean, I guess you could shut things down, but right, even knowing that the FDIC now excuse me, protects a quarter of a million dollars of, of your uh, deposits uh, for accounts, people still get nervous. Uh, as, a, as a younger reporter, I remember in 2008 standing in the parking lot of Washington Mutual watching people drive up and take their money on being stunned like, whoa, this happens now? But 2008 was a super panicked time for anyone who had money in, in whatever, the banks and the stock market, everything was really cratering because of what? Because of panic and a lack of confidence. And I'm... I. The, the people I talk to in finance and, 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 and also venture capital, by the way, are not ready to say we're past that here. They're not quite ready to, to sign off on that just yet. Okay, let's switch to something entirely different. 
I guess we no longer call Twitter Twitter. I mean, you can call Twitter Twitter, but it's part of the X Corporation now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some right wing provocateur, Laura Lunar, uh, sued Twitter, and so Twitter had to reply in their in their court filing, and they said, "Oh, we're not Twitter anymore. We're now X." Which seems to be X Corp, which just seems to be something Elon does to all of his operations. We know that Google X was their incubator for all these years of new companies. So it suggests that, you know, and he also created a company recently called XAI. Uh, there's a lot going on there. Uh, and he's got, we have this new president, CEO, uh, Linda Vaccarino, your boss. Your boss is boss is boss is boss, I think. Well, if he ran. Yeah, she ran ad sales for Right, the company that I worked for, NBC Universal. Obviously, she was a million pay grades above me, so I never met her. But she was very well and is very well respected in the industry. And remember, we talked last week about, hey, you know, Twitter really needs someone from the media world that can handle these sales and, and the advertisers that Musk is losing. And to go for someone who is literally famous in the industry for bringing advertisers in is a big message, I think, that uh, the company is trying to put forward. And relentless. Apparently, she's utterly unforgiving in negotiation. Well, obviously, Twitter needs more advertising, but this suggests she may also be presiding over the transformation of Twitter into that X-platform, you know, uh, Twitter for everything uh, that Elon's been talking about recently. I mean, possibly, because if you think about what the super app is in, say, China, there are several, it's almost like a Swiss army knife where you have social media, you've got finance, perhaps uh, ride sharing, uh, but a lot of it depends on money. And that's something that Twitter has had a lot of problems with since Musk took over. He himself admits the valuation is less than half of what he bought it for. And he may be exaggerating there, uh, given how many advertisers have taken off. So a transformation is is a pretty good word, maybe resurrection might also be a good word. Well, she's apparently a beast. Apparently her LinkedIn bio uh, says that her team has generated more than $100 billion in ad sales since she joined uh, NBC Universal in 2011. Pretty you know, enough. yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's an impressive number and she is in this industry very, very highly regarded. And, um, you know, maybe... Uh, was thinking, okay, I've, I've done this so well, I want to run a company. And, you know, she had that uh, exchange with Elon Musk at the ad conference not long ago. You figure they got to talking. She said, hey, I do this really well, and I'd like to run a company. And he said, I may have a company that I've been literally voted out of by my own users, and we could use someone who not only can run a company, but can bring advertisers back to the platform. And and I think that's going to be job one, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's a, we've seen many cases where C-level executives go up to the CEO job, and the manufacturing people tend to do better at that than the, the line people rather than the staff people like VP of advertising. It'll be interesting to see if she can do it. Certainly a reputation uh, is incredible. What, as she even has a nickname, though. It's like the velvet chainsaw or something. So it'd be interesting. It'd be worth it. It'll be worth it to watch. It'll be a very interesting story to be of a female executive in the years to come, I think. Okay, venture capital. 
we're not talking about any products today. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's been any real, maybe this is telling. Venture funds returns have weakened for the first time in a decade. Returns for venture funds have been negative for three straight quarters. Now, I don't know if you've ever put your money into a venture fund. I did right before 2008 hit. Believe me, uh, you watch that money just drift away. Uh, me and thousands of other people. Well, this is interesting because this is a long time for a, for a bull market in venture capital. I mean, you look around the world, Universities put their money, their 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 all their funding into VCs because it's considered a great return, and they go through. Sometimes they go through different uh, uh, other types of funds to guarantee a solid return. Pensions are in the venture capital industry. A lot of other in institutions, hedge funds. Uh, these numbers are not very promising, and the expectation is the VC industry around here is probably going to have a fourth bad quarter too. So what, what, we, what you and I were anticipating, you know, the lack of new startups getting money, the lack of IPOs, I mean, we're really seeing it in the numbers now, and people have got to be losing faith in venture capital as a good investment. And, and that's a big question because, uh, and to answer your first question, no, I've never invested in a venture fund, but I cover venture capital very closely. And you know, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there is raising money, and that's a huge thing, and VCs around here are still really good at that. But then there's the exit side, and we just haven't had many exits. There haven't been nearly as many sales of small companies to big companies. Uh, and on top of that, an almost desert of IPOs. And so how can these venture funds pay the investors back? They're just not doing it. And we just haven't seen the exits that usually lead to this whole system and this whole uh, sort of lifeblood of Silicon Valley. And, you know, the stock market is still doing okay. A lot of these tech stocks are doing well. And I'm hearing that there are startups getting some decent funding, but not nearly as many as before. Right. And part of the reason is we're just not seeing the exits um, for three quarters in a row. And, and that's largely because the IPO market has dried up. The exits are the monetization event and if you don't get money back you know you've been sitting on it for several years while well, that fund you know they're sending you regular announcements oh we've invested here here and here and you keep waiting for those at least one or two ipos that gives you your money back and and more and there's no excess right now by all indication so i mean that's that's tough because these guys got to go around and raise the next fund and they're going to get a lot of unfriendly faces when they go see the, visit the people that lost money on the last round. It's got to be tough because you're right with those lack of exits. Now, if you're raising funds for AI, which is just the hot ticket right now, I imagine you're getting a lot of people lining up. But really anything else, um, even the long-term quality investments, uh, we're just not seeing that churn of sales and IPOs and and again exits that that are collections you know when you when you make the money back and until that happens um, you wonder if the venture capitalists themselves will be a little hesitant to open up the purses for a little bit. Yeah, and you know the institutions are you always look at the at the long game, but a lot of VC money in these funds are doctors and lawyers and dentists and people that you know are 
willing to write that that check just to be in the game as their high risk venture. But you know, you if you write a check for a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars, you might be holding the pin up a little bit longer before you write it on that check right now. Things are just things are too sketchy right now. Futures too unpredictable, and uh, this is just a ma major part of that. Right. I mean, VCs have really been hit hard twice oh. lately, both by the lack of return, the lack of exits, but they were really uh, hit hard by the SVB fiasco and all of that, where they were concerned that they'd even get their money back out of these banks. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah. sort of clouds right now over the VC industry, and I know they want to pull themselves out with successful deals, but that's what they need. They need something new to sort of spark a new round of investment. You getting a gut feeling? Is this going to be? Before we get to the final story, are you getting a good feeling about the rest of this year in terms of the economy or a worse one? It's hard to say. I, I, I You know, you see some of the prices of gas, of groceries start to come down, and that's really good news. Um, interest rates, I think, will slow, and that will make some people feel better, but they're still so high. I was just talking to a uh, real estate agent who said people are starting to look for houses again because it's spring, but they're doing it sparingly and they're doing it on the low end. Why? Because they've come to accept and understand that 6% mortgage rates are going to be here for a while. And so I think we are going to see an overall slowdown, which I guess is what the Fed wanted in the first place. How that will affect overall consumer spending, I don't know. You know, get back to me after Apple introduces the new iPhone <laughs> and we'll see because that's such a barometer around these parts. Well, then I open the paper and I read that IBM is going to lay off 8,000 people and replace them with AI. That's the bad news. The good news is most of them are come from HR, which I don't think anybody in IBM will miss the HR. Oh. But nevertheless, that's an, that, well, that, I keep saying augury of the future. But big blue laying off 8,000 employees and replace them with, with computers. That's that's kind of chilling. Right. It's I so, and but it's also sad, yeah. Yeah. So finally, your old friend, <laughs> she is never going to get out of your life. Elizabeth Holmes. I guess the uh, district court judge, Edward Davia, issued an order uh, that uh, Elizabeth Holmes has to go to jail now. I mean, in a few days here. Uh, was it October 30th? You cover, You had to cover the story this week. October 30th? I'm oh, sorry, May 30th? Right. May 30th is yeah. the reporting day, yeah. And how much does she owe? I read I read a number. It's $452 million in restitution. Is that for her and Sonny? Do they, did they split that or just her? No, it's it's combined restitution, so it is the two of them. And remember, they were both convicted for investor fraud, and this is essentially saying they have to pay back the investors. And the breakdown was interesting. It went for about uh, $125 million, I think, to uh, Rupert Murdoch, about $100 million due back to the DeVos family, $40 million to Walgreens. I don't know, honestly, where they come up with that money. She has pled you know, poverty all this time. but And, and so I don't know, and, and I don't know enough legal knowledge to know if that's a symbolic gesture to say you owe this money, or if that's also part of 
eventually just selling off whatever assets remain for either of them to try to come up with this money. Well, maybe they prioritize the amount owed to the different plaintiffs, and that's they're not going to get that money, but they're, that's, that's their priority of capturing her assets and his. And for the next decade, it's not like she'll be able to, or like either, neither of them will be able to work much to, to make that money, obviously. Yeah. So. Both can be up the river for uh, until the mid-2030s. Right. Let's say get out for good behavior. Maybe they can uh, start a Yeah, I'm told that she has to serve at least nine years of the 11-year, three-month sentence, and it's what people were waiting for. I mean, the comments by the hundreds on my Twitter feed is this sort of came out over a couple of days with her final appeals and then the rejection of the appeals and then the ultimate you have to report on May 30th. Um, and, uh, you know, there is something of a finality uh, to this, but not entirely because it's dragged on for so long. There are a lot of people out there that say, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, and given out the time served by people these days in prison, you'll probably be reporting on her release. Who knows? Who knows? I guess she's going, she's going to Texas, right? Is that correct? So Judge Davila recommended Texas, and he, as the presiding judge, gets a recommendation, but I'm told the final decision comes down to the prison board, and they, and I've been back and forth with them via email, they don't tell you where until the prisoner is already in place. So Texas is the guess because that's what the judge recommended, but apparently the final decision comes down to that prison board. Okay, so this isn't going to be hard time at San Quentin. This is going to be country club, country club prison in in nice part of Texas. I mean, it's it's a, a white collar yeah. prison. Yes, uh, so um, that's what I'm told. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm waiting for the book you write one of these days. It could <laughs> tell the whole story because nobody has covered it longer or more completely than you have. So. Well, thank you. In quite a journey, I I don't know what I'll do with myself if she's in prison, honestly. Well, get that book proposal ready. It's going to be a demand. Okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, and check out uh, your YouTube page. Have a great week at our new page. (laughs) Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.